There's a real importance and a real value in setting the stage as a leader. So really focusing in on psychological safety, uh, creating clear and transparent expectations for your team so that they know what to expect from you. There's less uncertainty. They know what to expect from each other and they have made clear what they expect from you as a leader. Um, also important to that is creating space for routines and rituals, ensuring that informal and formal work is celebrated, that there's a place for play and buffoonery, as well as good work and meaningful conversation and feedback. Um, these are really important elements for a creative workspace so that people can bring their whole and authentic selves to work and do their best. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in the workplace. Today, we are going to be talking about something I think everyone's probably experiencing to some degree, which is that version of remote work, whether it's full-time or part-time, you're doing it some level, you can know it's, it's probably going to be challenging if you've never done it before. If you're doing it full-time and been doing it for a while, you're probably like, thank goodness all these people understand a little bit more of what I'm going through. Uh, it's got some challenges. And particularly, we're going to be talking with uh, Emily Whitmer about this, and, and she's going to walk us through some things that we can be thinking about, help us to understand how we can do it a little bit better and how to succeed and how to fail, things like that. So let's dive right into introducing Emily. Emily Whitmer is a doer, a dreamer, and a true believer of the potential of people and the power of learning. She has spent her training career working in various cultures, languages, and business sectors, including international development, nonprofit, higher education, and is currently in the corporate sector of Southwest Airlines. For the past five years, Emily has been leading creative teams in the learning and development space. And with that said, let's welcome Emily to the Visual Lounge. Hi, Emily. Hey, Matt. So happy to be here. So grateful that you you decided to join me uh, after briefly meeting you at DevLearn. It's it's so just wonderful to have you here. So you ready to dive in? We got some questions to go through. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Let's go. All right. So I'm, I'm curious. You've done a lot of things. You've had a lot of experiences. How did you get involved with and first start using remote work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, um, my my professional life and career trajectory kind of started in the international development space, um, working across culture, across different languages. Um, and in that space, I became acutely aware of the importance of visual, of demonstrating and showing things as you're learning. Um, and one of my earlier roles specifically really had a lot of um, a lot of influence in my trajectory. So I was in an, in, in an international nonprofit. And, um, you know, a lot of learning and development roles don't necessarily fall within a learning and development team sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I had a training role that was within a membership team. And, you know, it was part training, but it was also a lot of listening and bringing information and tools back to the international headquarters. Um, and so through that process, um, I was like supporting this huge geographical swath of land. So I had like five time zones in Russia, like all of Canada, like New <laughs> England, you know, some some islands, um, you know, so it was like a huge geographical space. And um, I was traveling to these places, you know, on a monthly basis. But in between trips, I found myself really relying on, you know, video conferencing tools 
on meaningful moments and kind of creating relationships in virtual spaces. Um, and that, that um, early kind of experience in my career really shaped how I think and how I use virtual tools um, to help support relationships, to help sustain work, and um, to really make meaning out of what we do. So uh, it was pretty transformative. So that's kind of where I got my, my starts, if you will. That's awesome. It sounds like it's a, a lot of experience in a, maybe a fairly short amount of time to be traveling that much and figuring out how to communicate with people all over the world, for sure. <laughs> so, so let's ask this. How, how do you, I mean, this is a super broad question, but how do you define success for leading a team remotely? Because, and you know, maybe there's one or there's probably lots of things, but I'm curious, kind of top high level, what, what would you say are the, the big things to focus on? Yeah, I think ugh, that's such a great question and a really hard one to answer. Um, I think that the first thing that I look at when considering like what is success and what does it mean, how do you measure it, um, really is to kind of like look at the context of your workplace, look at the values, the mission, the vision, um, and make sure that like your goals are like aligned and also that you have like some kind of measurable KPIs like to kind of help benchmark your successes. So Taking that into consideration, I think the most quintessential and important piece to really focus on when talking about remote success for a team is um, really to listen in, ask intentional questions, and really learn from like your team and your horizontal partners, your project partners to kind of help shape not just like what you're doing, but like how you're doing it, right? Um, so I'll often look at um, those factors as well as like maybe my individual kind of goals. Um, maybe there's new methods. Maybe there's things I'm learning from other people that I want to try and implement. So how do I kind of find the confluence of those factors, define what I want to do, figure out how to measure it, and like figure out how to communicate it, you know? Yeah. So. Well, it, it sounds like obviously you've got like success often for businesses is whatever the business goal is, right? Like make money, drive revenue, or that's the same things. Uh, you know, whatever it is the business want. But it does feel like that you're, what, what I'm hearing though is that for the team, there's going to be maybe these other metrics that you could, you could use to, to develop or to grow or to uh, obviously whatever it is that the team needs to help be successful in achieving those, you know, higher level outcomes that you're looking for so yeah absolutely i think right now kind of like in the remote space i think there's a lot of um i don't want to say like concern but like maybe a lot of focus on productivity in the remote world right people aren't coming into the office and you can't physically see someone come in to do work right so right. um that is kind of like a cultural shift and so kind of focusing on metrics and kind of telling that story of productivity, um, I think is really important to businesses, but also like to people sustaining and maintaining a culture um, of psychological safety, of tools and resources and just-in-time reference materials that help people do their work and maintain and help foster like the relationships that they need to do that meaningful work. Because um, ultimately, I don't know, my personal like MO, it's like, it's about the people and it's about, um, it's about making sure you have like satisfied and productive um, people like who, who you work with. 
yeah, I want to be seen that I'm like, I'm that I am productive. I am helpful. I am doing the things that the company values. So I, I appreciate that. Well, let's move on to our next question. Uh, what is one tip you could give the audience to help uh, and, and use images or video better in their work? Specifically, we'll ask about in remote work. So any, any good tip for us to help us be better at remote work with using images or videos? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've really like leaned upon a lot of, um, a lot of people in the L&D field to kind of help me kind of um, build my skill and knowledge in this area. But viewing meetings as a production, as a moment that actually matters, not just kind of an information dump, right? Because we know that like telling isn't training. Telling isn't, um, you know, uh, a great way of distributing information, right? And in the workplace that is virtual, it's so easy to have meeting fatigue. It's so simple to schedule a quick meeting versus, you know, shooting an email or, I mean, kind of like the most effective way is like maybe creating a short video or creating a visual aid and distributing that. So anytime you can kind of visually document and demonstrate and, and show what it is you're trying to convey and communicate, it's really, it, it, it reduces cognitive load and it helps people you know, um, get the information they need when they need it. Yeah, I, I love that, that you you understand clearly that the cost is there, right? And I think this is where people, see, Emily, help, help me understand if I'm wrong here, but people struggle, especially leaders. It, there's that cost of business of like, oh, if I'm going to do something that's more effective, like a visual aid or a video, it feels like, oh gosh, it's so hard to do compared to maybe a long email or some other alternative just scheduling a meeting, it feels like, gosh, that because it's hard for me, uh, I don't want to do it. But that the reality is that should be, the equation should be flipped. Like what's going to be across the team? What's easier for them? Is that is that accurate? 100%. Yeah. Taking the extra time to document, to share information that can be referenced easily. Um, you know, it, it, it is kind of a, a key element of an effective team is having that ecosystem of information available. Um, and so taking the extra time to make to make things explicit. I think this also kind of gets into a really important leadership concept of like being very transparent and explicit with your expectations. Right. Um, being an effective communicator of what those are and, and what you expect or, or what you're trying to convey and communicate. Um, it just, it really does. It fosters psychological safety on your team. It, um, it helps, you know, kind of like have those easy reference and documentation that your team might need for like knowledge transfer, knowledge management. Um, and those small labors and effort uh, in the long run, I think they really do make a large impact. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know I've been a benefit of that. We have a, a great v, VP at TechSmith in our marketing department. She's always sharing like share outs and videos, like instead of saying like, let's have another meeting about this topic. It's a, and she's really good about saying it's an eight minute video, but if you watch it at time and a half, it will take you whatever the, the length of, however long it takes to watch it at time and a half speed. But, you know, Emily, we've been talking a lot about, uh, remote work and you know there's remote work there's hybrid work there's asynchronous work there's all these types of work now that in person work we didn't i think 10 years ago i didn't think about like the different types of work it was either like you're here in the office or you're someplace else but 
for you, when you're thinking remote work, for those who are listening and maybe saying, well, well, what do you mean by remote work? Does it, is what I'm doing remote work or does something, some variation of that remote work? What does that look like for, for you generally? How would you define it? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, to me, when I think about remote work and what that is and how it's different um, and sometimes similar to other types of, of remote uh, or rather of work, um, remote work really is about the digital ecosystem and the systems and processes that help kind of sustain our, our workplace, right? And remote work has culture, it has interaction, it has um, significance, and it has uh, different mechanisms that like make it possible, right? Um, that look a little different than if you're in a hybrid situation um, or, you know, an asynchronous workplace. So uh, to me, and I'll be honest, like a lot of people kind of define this a little differently, but to me, it is really about the systems and processes that maintain and sustain um, that that remote work place. Okay, perfect. I love it. Uh, so one of the, you mentioned this a, a little bit that asynchronous work could be a little bit different, but I'm assuming a remote work could be synchronous or asynchronous. Hybrid work could be synchronous, asynchronous, and, and uh, in person, probably a little less asynchronous. Um, but I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts, because I know at TechSmith, we've talked a lot about asynchronous work and the, the role that it has, especially as we, you know, like in the month of uh, July, we have this policy now it's work anywhere. And I mean, there's certain limitations to that, but like you, no expectation to come into the building. Even now it's like a 20% time we can, we go into the building per, you know, per month or whatever. So I'm curious, what what role does asynchronous work have in either supporting in any of these types of work? Any thoughts about about that? Yeah, oh, a lot of different thoughts about that. I think, I think like one of the just kind of looking at our industry and and how it is kind of um, in its current state. Really, a lot of our work is project based. There is a lot of um, individual heads down time, uh, you know, a, a more of a focus on like outcome than output or like, you know, clocking in, clocking out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that these factors really um, help kind of that they're very conducive to asynchronous work, right? Where it's really about like, hey, you know, I've produced this. Um, you know, and, and you have that that flexibility. And I think where remote work kind of helps to support asynchronous work or where they can be similar is a lot of them like rely on the same kind of systems and processes, right? Um, you definitely need kind of uh, your communication channels well-defined, um, your file structure, you know, well-defined and how you save work or where it goes, um, how you get feedback or input you know, a lot of those systems and processes uh, help to, I guess, like kind of support asynchronous work. Um, but there's a lot of asynchronous work, I think, happens in the remote workplace as well. So, yeah, I, I love that. Right. The systems are kind of mutually connected in terms of it makes your life easier. If you have a well-organized system, you're either way you decide to work or multiple kind of combinations of work. Seems like it make would make sense. So. So one thing you've mentioned, uh, I think a couple of times at least is, and I, I've heard you talk about this before, is the psych uh, this idea of psychological safety. 
And I'm I'm really curious because, you know, in this show, we're often talking, you know, we're talking about things like color. We're talking about creating videos and, and psychological safety is not something that comes up very often. Uh, so I'm curious what you mean by that. And, and why is it so important, particularly when we're starting to think about people in these environments that are, are different and away from whether you as a team lead or a manager or whatever it might be, like, why does it, why does it matter? And what is it that we should be considering with, with remote work? Yeah, that's a really great question. So, um, you know, this was kind of a newer concept to me as well. Um, when I, you know, started kind of leading fully remote teams. Um, so uh, the the term psychological safety, um, it, it kind of comes, it comes out of the Harvard Business School. Um, great scholar, Amy Edmondson, um, who I've read a lot of her work. She has a lot of brilliant, brilliant work out there. Um, but it's this concept that essentially you can bring your whole self to work and you're able to kind of speak up um, even when it's kind of in contradiction or it's a, a divergent opinion without kind of facing like ridicule or, or shame or something like that because you have a different opinion or perspective. Um, so why I'm really intrigued by this concept is because, um, you know, a lot of work that is done, you know, in L&D, especially like, you know, in the visual um, space is creative, right? It, it is a place where, you know, bringing your, cre your whole and authentic self to work is a true asset. And being part of a team that sustains, that respects, that understands and is open to that will help people to kind of bring their best work, their time, their true talents and their true self to work, right? Yeah. Um, now, this kind of concept of psychological safety, uh, it also is, is more difficult to translate into a remote setting at times. So I started kind of thinking about like, okay, what, what does this look like in a remote setting and how can you sustain and foster it? So, uh, so, you know, I, I really tried to like emphasize, okay, what are the things that I can put in place that will help to support psychological safety in a remote space. So those became things like making sure that expectations are transparent. But anything regarding remote work, um, anything that's uncertain or a little bit gray, like for example, okay, um, I have a doctor's appointment. I'd really like to kind of flex my core business hours to go to this doctor's appointment. Don't really want to take sick time, but you know, what, what is your policy or like as a leader, how do you apply that policy to remote work? So these items that are kind of a little bit more ambiguous, kind of having that direct conversation, um, even documenting it out, creating a visual aid, creating a short, you know, kind of, um, video explaining what these things are. So you could kind of convey that tone and tenor, um, really, really helps to kind of foster that clear expectation and it makes people feel more safe. Like they don't have to be on and green all the time or you're always looking at <laughs> <laughs> Um, We also kind of find that with psychological safety, um, having routine and ritual and a lot more touch points, intentional touch points um, is really helpful to fostering that. So for example, like relying on some different agile um, 
techniques of like having a stand-up. You know, that's not something you see in all L&D spaces, but um, a really helpful mechanism, you know, just having that quick touch point, like, hey, what are you working on? Um, you know, what are your barriers? How can we help each other out in this quick 15-minute meeting that we have daily? Um, so being very intentional about when your team is getting together, the expectations that they have that you've set the stage with, um, and also kind of like the last, I would say, highlight of psychological safety that's important in the remote workplace is uh, to talk about failure um, and to embrace failure. So failure is a really, really powerful tool. And as a leader, I think framing failure in the right way is quintessential to getting good work done and making people feel safe. So a couple of ways that I do this are to kind of talk about the systems and processes that we use uh, being kind of riddled with error and being filled with failure and kind of putting that on the system and not necessarily on the individual or on attributions that the individual might have, right? Um, also, it's important to kind of like frame failure in terms of like, this is part of a learning process. This is how we master concepts. This is how we try new things. This is how we innovate. Um, and I really think that that helps people kind of give and receive more open feedback um, and kind of what I like to call like scale their fail. Um, yeah. And lastly, just kind of talking about your own personal, I don't know, failures, missteps, I don't know, things that you tried that kind of blew up. Um, yeah. I think it's really, really important to have that humility um, and to like normalize uh, failure and trying things and experimenting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you're, you're, you're talking about, as we kind of went through this path of, of different ways of psychological safety, I think failure is a, a really good example. It's, it's hard to like know, especially if you're remote, right? Like hard to know what, well, what does that, no one else must be failing. They must be all be doing great because you can't, you can't see it. You're not experiencing it. And I was thinking of particularly in the environment that I work in, right? We make a lot of video, uh, you, you know, often asked to share out reports. You know, we don't, instead of having a meeting, we'll do a video and how I know I'm, look, I'm the exception. I'm very comfortable at what I, I do this a lot. So it's like, like getting on camera is like no big deal for me. But the number of people that have just a, a, an aversion, we'll say, to it, they don't like it, they don't want to be it, they don't want to see themselves, they don't want to hear themselves, they, that's like the last thing they would want to do, even, even if they're okay with a live meeting, right, a virtual meeting, Zoom, or whatever what may, it may be. And I think about like feeling safe in doing that, that it's okay. That, or like even, even in a podcast like this, if you make a mistake, you say something like, oh, I didn't say that quite the way I wanted to, I slurred my words or blah, 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 jumbled my, my mouth is like jumbly, whatever. Uh, I, just being able to be okay with that, right? Being safe that the, the organization, the people in the organization aren't going to use it in a way to, they're not going to weaponize it against you. And I think that's, man, that, that, when that happened, when that, the opposite that happens when you're for supported in doing those things, but that feels so good. Like, oh yeah, I messed up. I didn't say that quite right, but no one, either no one cares or they're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Matt had a bad day, which, you know, if anyone's listening to this podcast for where I think this is like going to be like episode 145 or 146, they know I say stupid stuff and jumble things all the time. So it's should be no surprise. If you're a new listener, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Like having that space and having the freedom to try new things. I mean, 
we need that. We need that in this world, right? Absolutely. And especially, I just, again, going back to tie it to the remote, it's like, again, I just, if I don't see what anyone else is doing and I'm just going about kind of through my day, sure, I'm having maybe touch points here and there, but I don't know. I don't know what else people are failing at or succeeding at or, I, you know, unless someone says something very explicitly in Slack or in an email or when we do have those touch points, I don't know, work gets done. It happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I think it, it's, uh, uh, you know, if we're talking about like leading remote teams and we're talking about innovation and psychological safety, um, praising people for failing in different ways and having that high communication and high transparency about it, um, that's a really powerful tool in creating psychological safety, better communication and more, um, more authenticity in your team too, right? Yeah. So Emily, I want to, I want to steer the, the conversation a little bit into a different direction. It's still about remote work. Uh, I want to talk, we're called the visual lounge for a reason. So let's talk a little bit about visuals. You've mentioned, you know, obviously, uh, setting expectations, using visuals, visual aids, videos to, to get people on board. So what are some of the other things that you do, particularly as a leader to help your team, you know, to understand, to do their work better, whatever it might be, uh, what kind of visuals are you making on a semi-regular basis? Yeah. So I would say one of the tools that I personally kind of really rely on, um, I use like Miro is my tool of the year. If in case you were asking, it's one, one of the tools of the year that I, I've, I'm really obsessed with right now, um, particularly because I can treat team meetings more like a production. Um, instead of saying things, I can ask for input. Um, I even have my team draft an agenda sometimes, uh, or I have in the past, you know, to be like, hey, you know, what are we talking about today? And we can do it in real time. Um, it invites participation and engagement in a different kind of way um, that I think makes things more meaningful. Um, so doing activities during your team meetings, um, I think it has been really powerful. Um, also, I would say, Knowledge management is huge in the virtual workspace and the remote work setting. Um, so having kind of like documentation is really, really key. Um, I try and I encourage everyone listening to please try <laughs> to not hold terrible meetings that should have been an email. Like, have you ever... Have you ever been to that meeting that you're like, oh, my God, this should have this was an email like this was a miss or like level up. Right. Like this, this email, this should have been a video. Right. Like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, the more visuals that you can kind of provide uh, for your team that have key information, um, like the better. Uh, kind of some of the things I think about when differentiating between what tool and what modality I use to kind of convey information or visually represent things. Um, <clears throat> if I need kind of like if it's more for knowledge management, reference, you know, we, we've made a decision, we've got to document it, you know, usually like written communication, keeping it very succinct is, is, mm -hmm. is good, right? And saving that in a um, predictable place for, <laughs> for people. Right. Um, but I think that sometimes when you're delivering information that your tone and your your tenor 
really matter in kind of conveying what the words would say. I mean, that's best for like a video message, um, you know, that that your your employees like can can reference or they can kind of especially if it's like kind of a more kind of uh, consolidated topic, like maybe you're really unpacking something. And you really like they might need to kind of watch it a couple times to kind of really get the essence of what you're saying. Um, I think that videos are a great way to do that. Um, also, like, I, I think that, again, using interactive tools during virtual meetings, um, there's a lot of great tools out there that you can use. There's a lot of like add in features in video conferencing software these days. Like, I mean. You could even run a, a full-on webinar for your team meeting if if you wanted to export whiteboards. Um, so like using visual visual aids that maybe you've created during a meeting. Um, another great way to kind of differentiate between like what type of tool and what kind of modality you want to use. Yeah. Well, first, before I, 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 I add a comment, I wanted to mention that you mentioned Miro and if anyone's interested in mo learning more, uh, we actually had Dee Capella, who is from the, uh, she's the, gosh, what's her title? She's a uh, director Hi. of learning, I think, at, at, at Miro. She was on an uh, event we had to level up. Go to TechSmith Academy, academy.techsmith.com. You can watch her, her conversation, which was called Video That Works Everywhere. So, you know, perfect, perfectly placed. Emily, we did not talk about this, but you, you nailed it. Um, <laughs> Love it. So, you know, it's it's interesting you talk about the modalities, right? And thinking about like what can you do to enhance the whatever the conversation is. And I love that you've used the, the phrase tone and tenor. And I love that as a way to express like what what is video good at? And I what I'm picking up from you particularly is that emotion, right? Like the feelings, the things that are are not going to translate via written text. And I love text. I, I you know, we work called the visual lounge. We talk about images and videos, but there's nothing wrong with text. But oftentimes it lacks emotion or, or, you know, the, the nuanced understanding, you know, is something meant to be funny and it reads terribly, <laughs> you know, you're reading like, oh, or, you know, so I think I, I, I love that you're thinking through that and thinking through that uh, kind of process of these different modalities. Um, I, you know, I reached out before I, I talked to you, I reached out to some of the folks on the team and said, hey, I'm talking to Emily and she's been doing remote work for a while. And one of the questions I said, any questions you guys want me to ask her? Because, you know, they're, they're thinking a lot about on the Snagit team. Uh, how do we communicate better remotely? How do we how do we do this using Snagit, of course? But the question they asked is like, from a leadership standpoint, when you think about the kind of the visuals you're using, and that's all across all those different kind of modalities of whether it's an, in, you know, live to asynchronous, you know, video or, you know, team meeting, whatever it might be. Uh, the question they ask is like, how much time do you save or gain? Do you think by using visuals over text? And and maybe it's nothing, um, but because I know it's also costing time to make those. So what would you say, kind of beyond the benefit that they're going to understand better for you as a leader, is it if it giving you any kind of time savings? Yeah. So. And There's be frank here, Emily, just, yeah. you can tell me I'm completely, it's, ah, Matt, you're wrong. It's no time. This is way more work. This is hard. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll be real with you, Matt. Um, when building your remote ecosystem, that's a big lift. If you want to do it right, which nobody does it right. Let's be real. Everybody's iterative. Everybody's like trying and then failing and then, you know, kind of revising what they're doing. 
but you know, there's like that time and, um, you know, there's the benefit and the cost. Right. And I think this goes back to like one of the questions you asked prior, which is like, how do you define success? And I think that that's really at the heart of this, right? Because there's also value Mm -hmm. like in your workplace, what does your team and what does your culture value? And, um, I personally think like going back to kind of psychological safety, transparency, documentation. I think remote work is really good at making sure that things are better documented um, than maybe kind of like the informal workplace in-person structures that a lot of companies like kind of have relied on in the past. But I think that um, the, the value of the assets that you create when you write that email or create that document, that infographic, that visual aid, and store it in an intentional knowledge management system, I think that that value to your team, to your partners, uh, I think that that is uh, wherein lies, you know, the value that you bring. Um, So to answer your question, in in some company cultures, that's less valued. You know, maybe it's mm-hmm. more about the productivity. Maybe it's more about, you know, that, that output. Um, but if you have a work, a, a remote workplace that does value, you know, having that intentional just-in-time resource where, where employees know what they, they have access to what they need when they need it, um, I think building up that, you know, digital ecosystem and having that, that information and those visuals available, I think, um, it's tremendously valuable. Yeah. Well, I, I got to imagine, right. If I can go and if I can go self-serve, I can find, if I'm your te- on your team and I can, I don't have to go to Emily and say, Hey, Emily, I couldn't find this. You know, where do I find this thing? The answer to this question, I can just go self-serve, right. It's like, that's, that's for me, someone who, uh, admittedly, I, I am not maybe the best at reaching out. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to bug somebody. And so all of a sudden you've made it my life a little easier, a little bit more comfortable. You've saved me time because I don't have to do that. And then you know, I get all the benefit of all whatever that work is. So I love that, that the value, if you put value into those things as a culture, the values, the return is going to be greater than if you're just like, hey, let's just get things done. Come on, just get it out there. I'd rather have you interrupt me 20 times in a day. No, please don't interrupt me 20 times in a day. I, I, I can't focus. <laughs> can't focus. Well, and also like, you know, if, if you empower people with that information that's on hand, the conversations they can't have are maybe a little different, right? Instead of coming to you and saying, Matt, you know, like, where do I find this, like, style guide? <laughs> I mm-hmm. can't find it. Maybe, maybe I have, I know where the style guide is. And maybe now I can have a conversation like, hey, Matt, what do you think about this color palette for this project? Uh, what do you think about, you know, this look and feel? Is it modern? Like, we're able to have kind of a different type of conversation because we have time to. Yeah. I, I, and I, lo- I love that. And I'll, I'll just, uh, gosh, there's so much we could talk about. Well, I'll just <laughs> add this. So like, so, so TechSmith, we've been remote throughout the pandemic and when we, we built the building. So we're just going back into the building, but only, I only go in once a week, if that. And, but it's interesting how the, even those dynamics have changed since we've been remote, right? Like the time that I have with my coworkers that is in person is very different than the, the conversations we're having. And so I think it's interesting how these all kind of play together that you're going to get the, you can get so much benefit 
from each of the different types of work that you do and what put putting the value in the right place versus and besides just productivity because i i know there's productivity gains and i know that's important to companies of course it is because they want to make more money right that's the, the goal but putting the emphasis in the right place makes it feel like this there's really good stuff here so you can tell I, i'm really excited i'm sorry emily i'm just, here I'm going off on these standards, but that's okay. You know, I'm really excited too. And you know, kind of going back to that, like those in-person, like water cooler talk, like interactions, mm -hmm. those are really valuable. Um, something I've kind of learned through my like experience, like leading remote teams and creative teams, is um, it's really important to kind of intentionally foster those to create space for those, so that it's part of your routine and ritual, so that you have those informal kind of interaction um you might have uh like a friday coffee chat or a friday meme fest like meme your day um so, like making time and space for a little buffoonery and some play and some um not work conversations and celebrating that as a leader saying yes make time for each other like ask about each other's lives like you know supporting those interactions and making sure that that's explicit too like that's that's part of what we do um it's also really important so yeah i just i feel the need to call it out too is like creating culture in the remote place is a little bit more intentional but definitely some of those people moments um still need to be kind of like created intentionally yeah i well i love that we're we're fans of all that kind of tomfoolery and and whatever else Buff buffoonery is that what we, we called it today and, uh, buffoonery yeah, yeah technical uh, term yep. very very technical and scientific for anyone who's listening um so emily i want to get to our speed round but i want to ask uh, one more question here before we we do that one of the things i'm curious about like we've talked a lot a lot right we good i i think if someone's listening to this especially if they're a leader there's a lot of advice here that if they just maybe glean a few nuggets from i think they could really benefit from but i'm curious in all that we've talked about is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would give advice about that you think would help someone whether they're a employee or leader in the remote space to help them to maybe be a little bit more successful. Yes. Something we haven't talked about, Matt, that I feel particularly passionate about of mentioning is um, the role of onboarding employees in a remote workspace. I think often um, this is just kind of glazed over, um, but, you know, typically like onboarding typically, you know, has a couple kind of, phases that you work through, you know, you have like your pre-onboarding, which is, you know, your offer, your, you know, you're kind of setting up your workplace, you're signing your agreement, your contract. And then there's kind of like an orientation moment to the company usually, mm -hmm. usually, right? But then there's like role specific onboarding. I think that's what, that's a piece of the puzzle that Especially after talking, especially after talking to like a lot of leaders at DevLearn, they're like, "Oh yeah, man, onboarding. Like my onboarding was trash. Like <laughs> a lot of like leaders are kind of like feeling that burn, right? Myself included. Um, I have one employee that I onboarded kind of early on um, in the pandemic, and we still joke that it was garbage. Um, I've learned a lot from that kind of experience, and basically, like. Um, role specific onboarding, kind of one of the ways, and speaking of the visual lounge, like I, I really wish I had a visual here I could show you, um, but kind of scaffolding an experience and making sure that you're tying kind of like 
goals of onboarding to certain activities, including like different meetings that you're going to have to support that goal for the, mm-hmm. for the new employee, as well as reference materials. Like, so just in time places that they can go, whether it be like links to like a SharePoint site or possibly, you know, to a Teams channel, to Slack, where, whatever you're using, um, as well as like different tasks that you want that employee to kind of complete, to kind of check in and show that they're understanding and that they're kind of tracking, right? And that's a great asynchronous tool. So it's kind of a little bit choose your own adventure. But I mention all this just to say there are a few places you can make a bigger impact than during onboarding and creating a meaningful onboarding experience for for your new employee. Um, in the wake of the great resignation, a lot of people are hiring. Um, the remote workplace is kind of a great marketing tool for a lot of employers, right? Mm-hmm. So um, really kind of leveraging remote work and making a meaningful role-specific onboarding experience. Um, it's just, it's something that every leader should really be focusing in on. No, great, great advice. And one that I think is, is well needed in these times of, cause that's going to be a differentiator, right? Like you're going to all of a sudden, if you're, especially if you're remote, how do you get the culture? How do you understand how process works? How do you understand these things? Unless someone's explicit about it. Cause I know, and I've been at TechSmith for, I'm like ancient of days, you know, 16 plus years now, like, which is a long time at any kind of technology company, but it's like, but how, how else, if I go to a new, if I went to a new place, how would I know if I was remote? Like you just don't get those things unless it is, as you said, explicit. So I, I think that's wonderful, wonderful advice. So thank you for that. So Emily, let's, let's dive into our speed round questions. These are meant to be fast, quick uh, kind of questions, answers, but we always start off with a little stinger here. So here we go. Okay. All right, Emily, we're going to do speed round now. As I mentioned to you before the show started, I actually roll a 12-sided die, which you found to be extremely nerdy, which I, I agree, it is super nerdy. Yeah. Uh, I did not 3D print these, but we have th- I have three of them, so you can choose your color. Do you want blue and gold, black and white, or a marbly green with white letters? You could, Any preference? Mm, I'm lucky? Spartan. Marbly green. Yep. That's right. That's right. Marbly green. So uh, MSU, Michigan State, where I literally just point that, that way just to the north a little bit, and it's... <laughs> I can ride my bike there, even in wintertime when it's snowy. It's not that far. So, okay, let me switch over here to our dice cam so we can see, oh, man, everything got turned and twisted. So we're going to just do this real quick. <laughs> it's going to, guys, this is a show. It's me just adjusting a, 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 a dice mat. Here we go. Let's see if it will roll into it. Everything got messed up. Okay. You can, can't see it, but I'm going to move it into the camera. I did not twist or turn it. There we go. Oh, it's, I still missed the camera. There we go. It's an 11. Which works so much better in concept. If you're listening to podcasts, it's all messed up. The camera's all twisted and turned. Okay, so the question 11. You've talked about a lot of resources, but and, and this doesn't have to be related to, to remote work, but what's one resource you think everyone should know about? Anything that you got in your back pocket, you think, man, this is just a great, could be a book, could be a podcast, could be a video series, it could be whatever you like. Oh, man. Uh, oh man, so many. Um, okay. So a great resource for me, yours truly. Um, I really enjoy LinkedIn learning. I like creating my own learning journey, my own learning path. Um, 
Uh, I do that frequently. Also an ATD member and can't say enough about national and local chapter membership. Um, I learned a lot through people and meeting people, making connections. And so for me, um, those are like wonderful resources. Um, I get a lot of mentorship um, through those resources as well. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn Learning fan, ATD a fan. They, they do great stuff. They've got a great podcast. Uh, if, you, if anyone's looking for an, yeah, another podcast to listen to, I highly recommend it. Okay, so let's go with our next question here. Let's see if it can stay on to the... Oh, totally missed the camera area. So it's a one though. So you're rolling lots of... We're rolling lots of ones today. So we went from question 11 to question one. It is funny you brought this question up. It's where do you turn for inspiration? Before, before the show, we're talking like... She's like, whoa, this question, I got the answer. So Emily, where do you turn for inspiration? Yeah, I turn to a couple different places for inspiration. Um, one is a lot of like thought leaders, like in the L&D community. Um, I'm constantly reading different books and leaning. I'm like the succubus of everyone else's knowledge, right? <laughs> I really like lean in on a lot of experts. Um, so a uh, couple of books that have recently inspired me, um, L&D's uh, playbook for the digital age. Um, great read. I recently... I'm still kind of processing that book. A um, lot of great information there. Um, Megan Torrance, a lot of her information on like Agile for Instructional Designers. I really, really love her work. Um, uh, also kind of in a different kind of bucket of inspiration. Um, I just more generally really look to connect with and ask intentional questions to people who are very different than myself. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, I, this past year have found myself, um, kind of like connecting more with people who come from different disciplines, like, especially like the theater or fine art and, um, have really learned a lot about like storytelling and conveying, um, messages through like different types of visual communication. So whenever I can meet with somebody who has like a very different life experience or discipline, or just looks at the world differently than me, um, I am there for it. I'm intentionally like curious and asking all the questions. Well, I, I, I love that, especially the last part, because yeah, there's so much we can learn from other groups. And I, I learn even in kind of a business workplace, I learn a lot from our sales team. I learn a lot from our UX team. You know, they, they have different philosophies or different ideas about how things get put together, but you know, still, still valuable. And I have to, We'll have to let uh, Megan know that you you drop name dropped her today on the show because Megan's a good friend of mine. So uh, she's also in Michigan. So not that you're you're not here anymore, but a former Spartan. You know, we'll take. Oh, it. yeah, no, she's incredible. Love her work. Well, Emily, uh, thank you so much for spending time with me today. All your your depth of knowledge, your great information. Uh, obviously, so much more there we could explore. I'm curious if people want to reach out to you and connect with you. Where should they do that? What's a good place? Yeah, the best place I would say like on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a message. Um, my email information um, is also connected to my bio there. So please feel free to reach out. Uh, as we like to, to wrap up, Emily, we've talked about a lot of different things, but we want to give you a chance to give your final take. The final take on remote work is just that there's a real importance and a real value in setting the stage as a leader. So really focusing in on psychological safety and creating clear and transparent expectations for your team so that they know what to expect from you 
There's less uncertainty. They know what to expect from each other. And they have made clear what they expect from you as a leader. Um, also important to that is creating space for routines and rituals, ensuring that informal and formal work is celebrated, that there's a place for play and buffoonery, as well as good work and meaningful conversation and feedback. Um, these are really important elements for a creative workspace so that people can bring their whole and authentic selves to work and do their best. Fantastic. Well, Emily Whitmer, thank you so much for joining me here in the Visual Lounge. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. We'll have to do it again sometime. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Visual Lounge. Hopefully you got some great ideas about improving remote work, hybrid work, asynchronous work, whichever flavor that you're in, go, go get that psychological safety. Go document more so that you have it. Emily's got great advice and you can find her again on LinkedIn. So go connect with her. And as we'd like to say every time at the end of the Visual Lounge, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, we hope you take a little bit of time to level up every single day. Thanks everybody. <laughs>